It is my privilege to uh, have Fred Bates come on up, uh, and I'm going to pray over him and release him to be our uh, preacher teacher today. Uh, Fred is Colonel Fred Bates retired, <laughs> and um, Fred has always just been a servant to you. Uh, he's an elder here in this church, and he does this unto God and for uh, the, the families and peoples here, and if you know him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And since he's been retired, he's been putting a few extra minutes here and there, or should I say hours or day, what do I say? You know, so, yeah. So, so really grateful for that, and, uh, and he's, a, he's a real servant leader in our body. So looking forward to hearing what God's been putting on his heart for us. Fred, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that um, Fred and Beth are such servants uh, to this body and in this community. We pray, Lord God, that what you've been giving him, uh, Lord God, you'll just um, make alive in our hearts. Lord, may our ears be open to the truths of God's word, that we would be transformed and see you clearly and follow you uh, more devoted in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. So I'm excited to be speaking to you today. Um, So this week I had the honor to go with David Rock. We were down uh, while Pastor Stephen and the team were in Israel. David Rock and I were down at the ARC conference. And uh, got to clean things. David's the only one that's ever going to think this is, understands this and his wife. We'll tell you a hotel never, ever, 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 ever to stay at if you want to know. Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, But we had a great time down there just listening about church planters and how God is moving and building churches. And one of the best speakers that we heard there talked about, about it, that God is building his church, not our church, not Stephen's church, not every one of us, not Pastor Joel's church, our, our founding pastor even. It is God is building his church. And about how God is using ministries and Henry Christian and the people that went to Israel and the people that we met at Ark. It, it's just neat. And we went down there. The reason I kind of talk about it, we went down there. We were interviewing applicants for a student pastor position. Um, God just opened up some opportunities there. And we thank so much the Shepherd family and to Rita and the Skaggs and others that are working with our students right now. But I want you to be praying specifically this week. If you don't remember anything else I say today, be praying about the young men and women that we had the chance to talk to. If you want to get excited about what God is doing, spend 15, 20 minutes talking to young men and women that have a heart to serve God. I mean, it just, David and I just walked away just impacted by these young men and women that if anybody says the church is dead and God's not gonna, da-da-da-da, you spend five, ten minutes with these young men and women and you're gonna be like, well, I'm wrong and I need to sit down and shut up. It was so exciting to hear these young men and women. So I ask you to be praying about that this week. Be praying about that God will lead us as uh, people that we interview there or elsewhere. And in the meantime, especially be praying for Nathan and Jennifer and Rita, the Skaggs and others that are serving in there, that God will use them to continue to build. I was talking to two or three people there, and the move that we have started to see in the youth of our church started a year ago at Motion Conference down in Alabama. David and I talked about that, that I can see from going to that with Stephen about specific instances of students in our church that their hearts are being turned. Sometimes it's an instant thing. Sometimes God has to really work through some things. 
So be praying about that, that God would lead who the next student pastor would be here. And uh, we're excited about some of the people that we've interviewed. I'd tell you about one, but I'm not allowed to. So anyway, real exciting, real exciting. Man, man, David and Rock and I were speechless. Many times we're like, So I'm going to talk to you today about, so uh, Stephen introduced me, so I'm retired from the U.S. military. If you don't know me, 33 and a half years, um, I did that. People always want to say, you know, I'm Colonel Fred. Yeah, I'm just Fred now. Beth and I talk about that. I don't have any rank in our house anymore. It's all gone. All gone, praise the Lord. Um, And I've told people this. My recurring dream that I have is, I have this dream. You know there's something to it when you have a recurring dream. My dream is always I wake up, I'm on a military base, and either I need a uniform or I'm in a uniform, and I go, why am I in uniform when I have a beard? (laughs) And I've had that dream different bases, different locations, and then I wake up and go, okay, I don't need to shave and I don't need a uniform. I'm retired from the military, so I don't have to do that anymore. So I'm just glad I get to speak today. Stephen, thank you. I honor our our senior pastor. That was one of the neat things that we were asked when we were doing this last week. We were asked by most of these students, tell us about what is happening in your church. Tell us, essentially, why we should feel God to call us to serve your students in your church? That was a challenging question, wasn't it, David? We were asked that over and over again. By the ones that that cared, they really asked that. And it was exciting where David and I were able to explain to them about what God has been doing with All In, how God has been challenging us as a church, how God has been challenging our senior pastor, how God has just building us towards discipling people and and being more outwardly focused to people in the community, encouraging people. It, it was just neat that we were able to talk about that. And you could see that how that interacted with some, not all, but some of those students that were graduating from uh, Highlands College, just how they wanted to be part of that. And if it wasn't with us, then we were able to pray with them that God would put them where they were supposed to be. You know, there was a church sitting over the table from us. David couldn't hear him. And this guy, he was like, he was like a recruiter and a half. We got 14 campuses. We'll put you somewhere. Praise the Lord. You know, (laughs) we'll just plug you in wherever we can find you. And this guy's eyes are like, whoa. I think we interviewed him right after that. Yeah, we're a small church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. But if that's where God wanted this young man, then that's where God would have. And I, and I sensed that from this young man, he was going to go wherever God wanted him. So today, as we talk about All In, I thank you, Stephen, just for your heart as our senior pastor, just to continue challenging us. And don't stop. You know, we honor you in that, that you are challenging us, that you are pushing us, and you know that you're pushing us to what God is doing. And just keep doing that. Don't let up. Don't let up. So today, we're going to talk about but God, all right? So we tend to, in our life, we tend to put but bigger than God first, right? We tend to, we all do, it happens. We tend to say, yeah, God, I know that's great and this awesome thing, but, and then, but God, what about? But God, you don't know what I've been through. But God, you don't know how they've laughed at me. God, you don't know what I've done. God, you don't know how I feel. You You don't know how I feel inadequate to serve you this. You don't understand the past that's hanging over me. But God, you don't understand the challenges where I work. It's natural for us as believers at time to do that. We start to question and put God as 
subservient to the but. We're like, ugh. But in reality in our lives, it should be more about little but, big God. David was getting a kick out of that when I showed him that diagram. There, He's like, I don't know if you ought to use that word. And he's like, that looks kind of funny. And then I showed him, when I get to heaven, if that's not who Moses is, Moses needs to leave because Charlton Heston is Moses, all right? And half you people in this room are like going, what in the world is he talking about? I'm telling you, that's Moses right there. We were talking this morning. I think he walks around impersonating Moses in heaven. I think he does. I think he dresses up like him for fun. I think he enjoys it. So in our lives, the challenge today for us is how are we, instead of focusing on little God in those two pictures to big God, because God's a big God and he can do amazing things, but sometimes it takes us to have a little bit extra faith to do that. So let's put up that first set of verses that we're going to talk about. Psalms 2 through 1 through 4. And I'll tell you today, if you have your Bibles with you or an app, we're going to go through a lot of scripture. So we're going to go through a few verses, and then we're going to cover a good chunk of Exodus. But we're going to cover it in bits and pieces. So if you miss something that I talk about today, go back and read most of Exodus, and you'll catch it. But there's bits and pieces throughout the story of the Israelites and Moses where they were at a point where God had to not only show Moses what he was going to do, because he had many, many moments of, but God, what about? But God, what about? But God, what about? (laughs) But God, what about? And the Israelite people, the same things about how God was going to save them, redeem them, and get them out of captivity. So these verses in Psalms, Psalm 2, 1 through 4, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. So I think that verse kind of sets the tone in the world that we're in today. We see more and more people And I would say that it's not just in our generation, it's every single generation that has happened in the past and every generation that is to come, should the Lord tarry as long as he does, that people on the earth, rulers, try to go after what God is doing, try to challenge us, try to tear things down, either through government or crazy policies that boys are girls and girls are boys, abortion, You can go back through the generations, and I was reading the other day, the things that we are experiencing are no different than generations in the past. Child sacrifice, people worshiping other gods, people think other things are more important. It's not like this is unique. To us it is, because we're in this time. But if you would pick up somebody from Jesus' time, from back Moses' time, I think that if you brought them here you spent time with a group together and and talking about, I think they would say, this looks just like our generation. The difference for us in these later generations is we have Jesus Christ, who our Savior, that has saved us from it. Amen? And we have a God that is bigger than it, just like he has been bigger than it for generations, that as the world does all these things, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. I just love that verse just to see him sitting up there at times just going, hmm, that looks like a good idea. 
I don't think it's going to work. And he just laughs. I mean, we all have a sense of humor. We had to get it from somewhere. So I think we got it from God because he's laughing at them. He's scoffing at them going, yeah, you can try that. It's not going to work. Yeah, you think that's going to work for a season. Okay, I'm looking at it for the whole generation. Satan on the day that he crucified our Lord and Savior on the cross. Woohoo! I got it. I won. Big party. God's sitting up there going, five, four, three, two. Not the time matters to him, of course. So bear with me. One. And Jesus rose. And I know the devil had to be sitting there going, I thought I won. I thought I had it. But God, right? But God, look what I did. Look how God changed this. So we're going to talk about the Israelites today. And we're going to talk about kind of their journey of how they were in Israel and how they were oppressed and how God delivered them um, from that. So the Egyptian people at this time, go ahead to that first verse, first set of verses. Um, Joseph, you know, he had been placed the second in charge in Egypt. And he and all of his brothers had died off in this verse. It talks about their verse six and seven. And the Israelites had exceedingly, in verse 7, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. So if you don't know the backstory, Pharaoh got so worried about how big the Israelites had become that he had commanded that each firstborn had been drowned in a river, right? Hold that placeholder in the back of your head. Drowned in a river. That's how I'm going to destroy the Israelite people. There's too many of them. I don't know what to do with all of them. And Pharaoh was concerned that if there's too many of them, they might overtake us, they might rebel, they might subdue us as the Egyptian people. The Egyptian people at this time were very powerful, very powerful. There are some estimates, though, when you look over, I don't have this verse for you, but at Exodus 12, 37, when it talks about the Israelites coming out of Egypt, that there were 600,000 foot soldiers. Now, that's just men of uh weapon-bearing age. And then you add in the women and the children. So most likely two to three million Israelites at that time. Yeah, I can see why Pharaoh was a little worried about it. There are some estimates when you read about that says that even more than that, there were even more people that came out of Israel at the time. There could have been three, four, five, six million that came out of Israel with the Israelites. And I'll talk more about that later. But if you go down to there in verse eight, so then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. There's too many of them. I don't know what to do against them. Verse 9. Come, we must deal with them. We must deal with them shrewdly. We have to try to do something to take care of them. So go down to verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them. And then all the way down through verse 14, it tends to talk about how they were treated ruthlessly, how they were oppressed. I mean, it was pretty bad for the Israelite people. They felt abandoned by God. And no matter what they did, no matter how hard they worked, it didn't matter. And they felt like God just had abandoned them, like he had left them to die. They had heard the stories about Joseph, how God had delivered them, and now they felt like they were left there just being treated harshly and that there was no, no answer for them. Going down to Exodus 2, going over to chapter 2, verse 23 to 25. 
in your Bibles, and it says, I don't have it for you on the screen, it says, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and a cry for their help because of their slavery went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he was concerned about them. So God wasn't ignoring them. God wasn't blowing them off. He wasn't pretending what was happening to them wasn't happening. He was paying attention. So I want you to know that at times in your life, when you start getting worried and go, God doesn't see what's happening to me. He doesn't know the season I'm in. He doesn't know what's happening in my family. God knows. And he's watching. And we at times want to see God act and do things in our way, in our time. But God's got a plan that's different than ours. His time is different than ours. And he is working on when he is going to solve the problem, however he deems to be right. Some of you heard me tell this story years ago in the military. Uh, I got put in charge of a lot of money, millions of dollars, and I had gotten really bad grades in college and accounting, like bad, like C's, which is why I didn't get a degree in accounting. Good idea. And I got put in a job where, guess what I had to do every day? Manage millions of dollars. That's government tax, tax knowledge at work. That's how the army thinks. Put the guy that doesn't know how to manage money in charge of money. That's how it works. So I'm learning real quick. I was complaining about it on a regular basis. God, I don't want to do this. I'm tired of this. Um, I had many conversations like that with God driving back to and from Frankfurt uh, at the end of the workday. And Beth will tell you that I would come home, eat dinner with her and the kids, and then I would set all of my work up, and I'd work till 1, 2, 3 in the morning. I, I just couldn't keep up. It was overwhelming. Trying to get stuff done, we were working on some systems that only worked well at night when the rest of the entire United States Army wasn't in it. I could get a lot of work done between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. because the system was, like, moving fast. During the day, you'd click and wait and wait. It was horrible. Driving back and forth, one of those days, I just felt like I kind of was just yelling at God in my car, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm mad. I'm tired of it. And, and I've, people have heard me say this before. I felt like God just, I just leaned over, or an angel was like, just shut up. I'm tired of hearing you whining. Thunk, shut up. I don't think he speaks to everybody that way, but for me, as a military guy, that's what I needed to hear. I got home. My mind was in a different place. Did it get better the next day? Nope. I still had to bring all that work home and keep doing all those things. But God, God then supplied a couple of soldiers that actually had experience managing money that I didn't, and they started working with me. They had ideas about systems that I didn't have and ways to track it. And got out of that season within a few months, got away from it, walked away from it, and it's like, I don't understand, God, why I went through that. My job changed. But then from my boss, I had to help my boss oversee that same money and that same organization. Years later, I go to Afghanistan. And what does the army have me do in Afghanistan? Manage projects and money. I was with an agriculture team, and I'm managing money there. A couple of years later, I get put in charge of one more thing before I'm about ready to retire. And what am I doing? I'm sitting there working with people, mostly managing people and money. So God's timing and plan was me to go through that season to prepare me for what he had years later. We see the same things happen in Moses' life of coming up and being born and then be part of uh, Pharaoh's household and then spending years and years and years as a shepherd before he even gets to this point. 
Switch over to Exodus 3, 7 through 10. Where the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have to come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptian to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. And so it gives that promise there that he is going to take them to the promised land where all of those people are, all right? So he already says that he's going to fix it and he starts talking about it and it's in in scripture and Moses knows about it, but the Israelite people are still in the middle of bondage so they don't see it. They're still every day going, but God, you don't care about us. But God, you've left us here to rot. But God, there's these evil Egyptians that that are just overwhelming us every day. Why are you not changing our lives? Why are you not doing something about this? That's what they saw every day. Go down to verse 11 through 15 in chapter 3. Moses said to God, Who am I should that I go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I'll be with you. So Moses starts doing the same thing, right? Moses starts doing the same thing. God calls Moses out. He says, guess what? I'm going to send you. And Moses starts going, yeah, but God this, but God that. And it's natural. There's nothing wrong with Moses. It's normal. I mean, even if I was Charlton Heston and I was Moses, I think God has said the same thing. I think God has said the same thing. God starts working with him in that chapter 11 through 15. If you go down to verse 13, and Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and the God of your father sent me. Well, what is his name? What am I going to tell them? And Moses said, I am who I am. I am who has sent me. So he like tells him right then and there who he is and how big he is. I think the context of this verse Moses really, when God said this to him, he answered every single but that that Moses was going to have in that right there. Because he just said, I am, I'm it. (laughs) I'm it. I'm everything you need to do this. And I'm sure Moses pondered that. But when we look at the verses ahead, what did Moses do? Do you think Moses questioned God anymore? Anybody? Anybody? You think he did? He did. Because he still hadn't his, had his faith built up enough yet. But God is big enough to tell him, hey, look at this. I am who I am. I can handle it, but I know where you're at, Moses, and we'll get there. How often has he done that in your life? God, you just see a miracle where God does something amazing. You see him do something But sometimes it takes a while to build your faith, doesn't it? You have to walk through it. You have to see something happen. You have to feel different. Um, You're going through just a hard time in your life and just a challenge. And you've become a new believer in Christ. And you're like, yeah, but I'm getting up today and something's different. But that's okay. God's just walking with you in that. You're going through a hard time at work. You're praying, God, it's just... I don't know if I'm going to get to keep this job. I'm going to get fired or what's going to happen. God's like, just keep walking the direction you're going. The next day you get fired. You're like, God, wait. (laughs) I thought you were going to walk with me in this. God, where did you go? God's like, I didn't go anywhere. I am 
who I said I am. I got this. It's okay. So Moses had the same questions that we would have. And as we walk through our lives and our relationship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ, I want to tell you today, if Moses had the question at times, I don't think I'm near quite the caliber of Moses. God's not going to, maybe different, but I don't think I'm going to float up to heaven and I'm not going to have Charlton Heston paying me in movie. It ain't going to happen. Or Brad Pitt. Well, actually, it would have been Matthew Broderick. When I had hair, I looked like Ferris Bueller in high school. Just like Ferris Bueller. Spitting image. That's before Beth knew me. I think she knew me when I had hair. Maybe. Maybe. So if Moses had those challenges, I want to tell you today, first of all, it is okay that at times you come to God and you doubt. It's okay that times that you have to walk through the challenge and say, God, I need you to build me up. God, I need you to show me an example of what you're going to do because I just don't feel it today. I just don't understand it. I don't get why I'm in this season. I don't get what I'm going through. But God says, I am. I got it. Doesn't mean he's always going to solve it the way we want. Don't get me wrong. He's going to solve it the way he sees and the time he sees in the manner that he sees fit. But he's going to walk with you all the way through it. All the way. Beginning to end. And I think that's what he was trying to teach Moses in these couple of times that he had met with him. He met with him on the mountain in the burning bush. Then here he talks to him and he explains to what he's going to do. Let's go to the next slide there, David. Let's go to the slide that talks about, um, let's switch over to the slide that talks about the signs. I want to go over to that. So Moses had a little bit of a doubt of what he was doing. And wasn't quite sure that God was going to do what he said. And God's like, okay, I'm going to give you some examples. So God in Exodus verse 4, 1 through 2, he actually does some signs to help him to know when he goes in front of Pharaoh that he's going to take care of him. Okay? First of all, he gives him a staff. And that staff has the ability to be thrown on the ground and become a serpent. Right? And he goes to pick it up. And he picks it up and it goes back to being a staff, okay? Then in Exodus 4, verse 6 and 7, then he tells him to take his hand, stick it inside of his cloak, pull it out, it's leprous. So leprosy, uncurable disease during that time, just not possible. And then sticks it back in, pulls it out, and it's clean. God shows him examples to build Moses' faith so that he can go in front of Pharaoh, okay? The next thing he does, he says in verse Exodus 4 and 9, he talks about water turning to blood. That he could take water from anywhere and turn it to blood to get the Egyptians' attention. And then I love in verses 10 through 17, Moses goes into, I think it's pretty good. I don't know what it was that kept him from speaking well. He stuttered. He had a speech impediment. He just wasn't good with words. But Moses starts talking to God about, okay, well, here's the big one. I can't speak. I'm not comfortable speaking in front of people. I can't do that. When I was in high school, I could have never, ever gotten up in front of a group of people and talked like this. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't, wouldn't have happened at all. Wasn't comfortable with it. Wasn't me. I was the oldest of three children. I could tell my sisters what to do all day long. That was easy. That was easy. 
but not in front of a group of people. I wasn't really comfortable with that. And then somehow along the way, God put me in the military, and I was just going to do it for a season. I was just doing it to help pay for college, really. And then God opened up doors, and I stayed longer, and then opened up doors with Beth and I after we were married and became an officer in 33 years. You know, later, I'm like, good grief. But God did that to prepare me for that. Moses is saying, even after being in Pharaoh's household all those years, and then as a shepherd, he's telling God, but you missed the most important thing. I can't speak eloquently or clearly to Pharaoh. And I think that's pretty amazing. He obviously had been around Pharaoh's household all those years. So he must have spoken Egyptian. There couldn't have been any reason he didn't. He knew how they spoke. He knew their culture. But he's still trying to kind of use that, no different than what I've done, as an excuse to God. And God says, I got that too. You got a brother that's an eloquent speaker. I'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Oh, and he's right here. If you read in the scripture, his brother's like right there. It's just like, here's your brother. You tell him what to say and he will speak on your behalf. So I think that is so great in this that God uses these signs from Moses to increase his faith and to build him up for what he's getting ready to do. So if you have somewhere in your life where God's asked you to do something, you know you're in a season and you think, oh, I don't think I'm ready. Ask God to show you, to prepare you. God, bring people in my life to build me up. You know, I have to, as a, on a regular basis, as the congregational elder, I have to make it a point when I'm having conversations with Philip and Stephen to not let Army Fred come out. And that is because of God. Praise the Lord. Because if you've been around the Army, you know we're a little bit rougher. If you're around Army people, their language can be a little bit rougher. It just can. If you hang around soldiers for any length of time, it just will. And I am just so thankful that God is using them to mold me and tone me down at times. Stephen is the best at that in the world. I just, and he and Philip both, but especially Stephen, is just molding me for this season that God has me in. So if God has called you to do something, is preparing you for something, as Stephen has challenged us, with all in, if you think, I can't, I don't know, that's outside my comfort zone, God, show me signs, put people in my path, let me learn what I need to learn so I can do that all in for your kingdom. And it's going to look different for everybody, that's okay. I wonder sometimes, why did God make Moses the leader? Why didn't he just make Aaron the leader? He obviously was a better speaker. He made him the leader later on, right? In the Bible, he becomes the leader when Moses is taken up to heaven. Aaron becomes the leader later. But maybe God needed to train Aaron up and get him ready for years later. And that's just a good example right there. Aaron wasn't quite ready to be the man in charge. He needed to be someone else's mentorship for years later. And God was preparing him. So let's go over to uh, Exodus five nineteen to 21. Exodus five nineteen to 21. This is after Moses had talked to Pharaoh the first time. Pharaoh's not buying it. He's not listening to him. I don't care that you want to go worship God out in the desert. I don't like this. You're not going. I'm Pharaoh. You're stuck. 
And then he says in verse 19, the Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. So the Egyptians increased their quota so that they would have less time grumbling. If they got time to grumble, give them more work to do. That's a good job. That's a good idea as a taskmaster. I've done that with soldiers many times in my career. If they got time to sit around and complain, I haven't given them enough work to do for the day. And I had bosses that did that to me all the time. All the time. You must have way too much time on your hands. Well, you know what else you can do? You can go, when I was a private, you can move the rocks from here to there. And then after we moved the rocks from there, we painted them and moved them all back there because we had too much time on our hands. So in verse 21, it says, the Israelite overseers were so mad about what Moses had done, they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So God tells Moses, you're going to go get the Israelites out of there. He goes, does his first talk, doesn't go so well, just makes Pharaoh mad. And now not only does Pharaoh dislike him, Now the Israelites dislike him. Well, he must have had a good day. He must have turned around and walked back to his tent and was like, yeah, God, woo, man, that was good. Now they hate me too. Whew, that was good. That was a good idea. Boy, I'm glad I went and talked to Pharaoh. I bet you that made him question God even more. He's like, are you, you sure you want me to go do this? Are you sure this is good? Are you sure these, these little tricks you gave me with the, with the staff and the hand, you think this, is this really going to turn Pharaoh's heart? Down in verse 22, if you go down now to verse, or chapter 5, verse 22, Moses answered him. Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Sparrow, Sparrow. That's always in my head. I work with Sparrow Missions. I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name. He has brought trouble on this people, and if you, you have not rescued your people at all. So he's telling God, hey, I don't think this is going to work. But God, what about? But God, this was a bad idea. You sure you wanna, want me to go through this? Go down to verse 6-1. God answers him. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his, of his country. I kind of wish that the scripture would have said, because I am, and just left it. But God needed to speak to Moses a different way, but he probably could have said that, because I am. Period. Done. But Moses needed his faith built up again, and that's okay. Moses needed that, needed God to just push him a little bit and just tell him, it's going to be all right. I've got this. I am in control. Pharaoh works for me. Those verses we talked about at the beginning, back in Psalms 2, 1 through 4. Why do the nations conspire and people's plot in vain? Why do people plot against God? Why is the world, why are governments thinking it's okay to change boys into girls, to abort babies, 
you name it, all the other things in our nation and every nation around the world, why do we think that's okay? God's like, I've got this. I'm bigger than this. I'm laughing at this at them. This is not my plan for them. I have something better for them. If they'll just listen to me, if they'll just seek me, they will find me. I think this deliverance that God was trying to do right here to the Israelites was Moses was still working through the point of where he needed to have faith in God. I think he still needed to see it. And God allowed Pharaoh to say no to start building that faith a little bit more. A little bit more. Go down to uh, verse 7 through 8. Where it says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So he's telling them what he's going to do. He is who he says he is. He's trying to build faith in Moses. I wouldn't be surprised if Moses used these same verses and said them over the people to help them know that God's going to do what he said he's going to do because they needed their faith to start be building up, right? And that's okay. They needed their faith in God to be built, be built up. Go down to verse 9. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because what? Discouragement and harsh labor. So Moses is telling them it's going to be okay. God's who he says he is. He's going to deliver us. But all the Israelites see is harsh punishment, labor. They got to go find all their own straw. They don't see anything changing. But that doesn't mean God's not working. How many years did we as Christians pray for God to change the law in our land about abortion? Was God not working all those years? I guarantee he was changing hearts one at a time, opening pregnancy centers, putting things in place to change people one step at a time. Saving children here and there and there. We'll never understand how much God was working until we get to heaven. And he starts to share those stories. And somebody up there says, I was saved. I was saved. My mom kept me. I kept all my children. But we'll also hear those stories about a mother that says, yes, I had an abortion. But let me tell you about how God saved and redeemed me from it. And if I wouldn't have gone through that, I don't know if I ever would have come to Christ. I don't know if I ever would have changed my life. And here's my daughter right here, because God made sure when I walk through the door, I get to meet her. I met Jesus, and then I met my little girl. God's big enough to do that, isn't he? We look around at this generation, and at times I hear it from my dad. I love my dad, but he's a little older, and, and I know he's going to watch this. Dad, this isn't mean, mean mad at you. But he's a little older and he sometimes goes, oh, you know, I see these things going on in the world and da-da-da-da. Yeah, I get it. But God, I get discouraged about those things at times with my sons, with three grown men, and just the challenges that they face. But I know God is bigger than that. And I know God can deliver that. If God can change the hearts in our nation for enough people to change the track of abortion... What else is he going to do? You know, some people are like, oh, well, the pill. Well, God's bigger than a pill. 
I heard at uh, um, one of the two pregnancy centers, their banquet a while ago, she talked about how God provided and saved her from that. Saved her from that. After she had taken the pill to abort her baby, about how God put her in touch with the right doctor and saved and stopped that. God's bigger than all of it. Children that are unfortunately going through these things right now with their parents and parents making poor decisions about allowing children to change whether they're a boy or girl. God is bigger than that and can change parents' hearts, but I know he can redeem those children, right? God can use that to change young men and women's hearts. That I, as a, what's the term? I think it's cis, whatever it is, a straight white man, I am not probably going to be able to talk to somebody that's transgender. They're probably ain't going to listen to a word I say. But there are people that have gone through that, that God has delivered because God is mighty enough to do that. And he puts people in place to be able to do that. I think that's what he was doing for the Israelite people. They had to come to a place before they could ever get to the promised land. They had to start to believe and trust God. I don't think the Israelites would be the people that we recognize them for if God would have just wiped out all the Egyptian and they just said, where'd they all go? Well, they're all dead. wonder how that happened. I don't know. Let's go. And just started marching off. I think they'd have missed something along the way. I think they'd have missed the blessings that God had for them. So God then uses situations and things to change the heart of Pharaoh. He goes through the ten plagues. I'm not going to go all the way through them. Blood, frogs, gnats, all the way down to the last one where Pharaoh still won't let him go. He's stubborn. God hardens his heart and he says, no. And God says, okay. And kills off the firstborn. And if you think about that for Pharaoh, there are some commentaries that talk about the heir to the throne of Egypt was killed. If Pharaoh lost his firstborn, was most likely the one that would have mattered would have been a son. And he lost the heir to the throne. I bet she didn't have another one. I bet you in God's way of working things, I'd be really surprised. There's some commentary that said that line of Egypt was wiped out when his son died and then Pharaoh died. That was the end. So they finally, the Egyptians let them go and they start heading out to the Red Sea. So the Egyptians are released or uh, release the Israelites and God provides for the Israelites as they leave. The Egyptians are so happy to see them leave, they give them clothes, because God told them to ask for it, clothes and silver and gold. So they don't walk away empty-handed. They walk away with all the provisions. That is just the great thing of but God. There are times in our lives where we're like, God, I don't know what to do, or I'm not prepared. I don't know what's next in my life. And God's like, I'm going to prepare you for this, and I'm going to provide the knowledge, and then I'm going to provide the skill for what I have for you in the future. He did that with the Israelite people. They went through all that hardship. God told them as they were leaving to ask for clothing, silver, and gold. They pillaged the entire, like they had raided them and destroyed their nation. They took their silver and gold because the Egyptians are like, get out, whatever you want, take it, get. We don't want you anymore. Get out of here. Be gone. God used that then to help establish the Israelite people in the future. It doesn't always talk about in Scripture how he did that, um, but there's lots of later on maybe for the temple or other ways that financially he prepared 
Obviously, a poor, destitute, enslavery people walked out of Egypt into what God had next for them financially. Isn't that awesome that he did that? I mean, that's just cool that he did that. Another thing that he, he did, oh, this kind of ties in later, but I'll hit it here. We never hear in the Bible, how did the Israelites have the weapons and the knowledge that they needed to go fight against Jericho? Where'd they get all that? I think the Egyptian army that we'll talk about in a few minutes kind of gives them what they needed. So let's go over to Exodus 13, 21, 22. So the Israelites are marching out and they're heading out away from, uh, away from Egypt. Pharaoh has let them go. They've got all these provisions that they need. They've got carts that were given to them. They've got gold and silver. I'm sure food-wise, the Egyptians are like, take it all, leave before more people die. Go, whatever you want, get, be gone. Some commentaries say that more people went with them because they saw that Pharaoh wasn't powerful anymore and that Egypt was decimated that other people's believed in God, went with them. So it could have been even more than the two to three million that we talked about. But there in verse uh, 21 in Exodus 13, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I think that is such just a testimony of when you're anywhere in your life and you don't know what to do and don't know what you're supposed to be doing, just remember God is always going before you. He is always in the midst of what you're going through and stepping that step out in front of you. He is stepping into that hurt that you're going through and through the Holy Spirit, he is there with you. That when you're like, oh, this is tough, God, I just, I'm going to have to go through this struggle and challenge, God's like, I know, I'm already there. He doesn't sit there and sit back and go, hey, yeah, that challenge you're going through, have a nice time. See you when you get to the other side. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't sit there and go, hmm, call me if you need me. Now, be careful about that. If God directs you in a certain way in your life and you go, no, God, I'm going this way, then God's going to sit here and go, well, I told you to go this way. So when you're ready to come back this way, I'm still with you, but... Go over here. This is the direction I need you to go. I think we have to be careful about that. What I always wonder is, so God's got the pillar of fire and the cloud. Why didn't God use that to destroy the Egyptian army? I mean, he just used the angel of death to wipe out all the firstborn. Why didn't that cloud, like, you know, from a Marvel movie, just like, whoa, waft over top of all the Egyptian army and then just disappear. Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he just take the pillar of fire and just go Raiders of the Lost Ark and just zap them all and turn them into ash? I don't know. I think part of the reason was, if you read some commentaries, when the Egyptian army crosses across and comes after the Israelites here in a few minutes, chases after them after Moses opens up the sea and the Israelite people go across, and the water comes in on top of them and drowns all of them. Many commentators say 
that most of the Egyptian army and their weapons washed up on shore. Because that's what would happen, you know, most of the time. And God probably used that to arm the Israelites before they went to the promised land. When where else would they have gotten the weapons? There's no way Pharaoh was going to go, well, as you're leaving, take all of my weapons in case I want to come kill you. I don't see that happening. That God armed them for Did they know how to use them all? Well, probably not. Not yet. But God worked on that before they got to Jericho. But he was preparing them for that. I think God used that route that they took. There was other routes that they could have taken. There were faster routes to get to the promised land. They weren't ready for that. They didn't have the weapons. They didn't have the knowledge to fight and go into the, the promised land yet. God needed to develop them as a people a little bit. And God wanted to make an example of the Egyptians for all the nations, but also that example to keep building the faith, faith of Moses and the Israelites. So they get ready to cross the water. If you go to the next set of verses, David. And he's telling them there on those verses that if you'll stand firm, you're going to see the deliverance of the Lord. He is going to fight for you. You only need to be still. If God would have raised up the Egyptians with weapons or the Israelites with weapons and fought, then it would have been the Israelite people. Look what we did. We beat the Egyptian army. Instead, it's God that fights their battle for them to say, look, I was with you when you were under their captivity. I am with you coming out of Egypt. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to take care of this fight for you. Later on, you're going to have to fight your own battles, but I'm going to be there with you. But this one I've got. Just be still, be quiet. Let me do it. There are times in our lives and believers where we really want to just fight back. There's times where we, we don't like what we see and we want to really stand up and say what we want to do. Um, I've got a verse here that Ed Preston gave me when I became a congregational elder and it's a saying he said and it goes with First Chronicles twenty nine seventeen. I keep it on a card in my office and it's on my uh, whiteboard in my office. It says, it will be fine. God's got this. That's what that verse says. I got this. You just be still and I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of the Egyptians. And after Pharaoh all that time had drowned, who knows how many thousands of babies had been drowned. God does the same to the Egyptians. Drowns them all. Most estimates were that that Pharaoh had an army of at least 215,000 plus 600 chariots. That's what most commentators say. It was at least 250. And the the Egyptians were very powerful at that time. Depends on who you read. One commentary says Pharaoh stood up on a hill and watched it all and went away and told about the battle. But other scriptures, when you really read through it, it looks like it specifically says that God killed Pharaoh too. Because God wiped out his lineage past him and he wiped out Pharaoh himself for what he had done and representing the Pharaoh before him and the Pharaoh before him that had put the the Israelite people in slavery. Now, I'm not saying that to say, hey, when people are mean to you and angry with you and coming at you that you need to, God, get them. You need to be praying for and loving them and, and praying over them. That young man that loves to have his face on the Bud Light 
cans that really is a man and thinks he's a girl, man, I just can't tell you how much God puts it in my heart to pray for that young man. Because he obviously has horrible things going on in his life. And when all this wonderful stuff happens, stops, it's just going to be him. And all that pain and agony. And I just pray, God, please put people in his life to save him out of it. You know who I'm talking about. You've seen it. It's in the news. Just that God would just just save him because when it comes down, it's going to come down bad. It's going to be horrible when all this wonderful attention he gets falls apart. There was a time in my military career I had a, a boss that... I'm going a little long, Stephen, if that's okay. There was a... a a boss of mine that I had in the military that uh, I was getting ready to take command and I really did not want that gentleman to be my boss. I just didn't respect him. Um, and God used that man to not only give me my next command, I don't know why, but then God also gently removed him out of that place. He wasn't a godly man at the time and put a godly man that was my boss right after that. Years later, I've talked to him many times, and God has changed his heart. So I don't know how God, God used him in that season. Later on, God changed his heart and brought him back to him, and he became a believer. So I'm glad I wasn't wishing, God, he's bad, he's evil, get rid of him, because instead God used him to get me where he wanted me for what was next. So when you th- see things around you that are just, you know they're bad and they're wrong, like Pharaoh was, I don't see anywhere in the scripture where Moses calls God to just, God, just bring down fire and wipe out Pharaoh. I don't see anywhere that says that in the scripture. I mean, obviously he had given him tools for that. He was in, in Pharaoh's place. But I don't see any place where Moses feels like God gives him that ability to just say, wipe him out. It's neat how God uses Moses that through all the but gods that he has builds him up. All the but gods, what about, what about, that the Israelite people have, he builds them up to then take them to the purpose that he has for them. Isn't that neat how he does that? So I say all that today to kind of, I want to encourage you. When we look at um, our own lives and we're putting things in faith and we look at the world around us and we just think that, ugh, God, there's no way, you know, I just, God doesn't, doesn't see what I've done or he doesn't see what's going on or he's not, but what about this or God, the world around us. I just want to remind you, but God, he is big enough. He is strong enough. He is with you in the midst of it. He went before the Israelites as a cloud and as a fire. And he not only did this for the Israelites, he went a step further for us when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. You know, even Jesus, who is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when he was praying the night before he was crucified, he was asking God if there was another way. He, uh, he knew there wasn't, but he still asked. So when we're going things there through our lives, don't feel like you're wrong for saying, God, but what about, what about? I've, God's big enough to handle that. God's big enough to handle when we have questions about, well, why is this and why is that? Why? I don't understand. Ask God to do like he did for Moses. God, give me some signs. Give me some people that come around me and pray with me, that bless me. God, I don't know how you're going to use me 
to be part of the harvest. But God, I'm willing, just show me what you want me to do. If maybe that's just talking to somebody every Sunday, that's praying for youth, that's talking to people, that's a text message, that's being part of a two and two, whatever it is, God, I don't know what that skill set is for me, but, but do that. If you're going through a point in your life where you don't know Jesus yet, and you're like, you know, I just don't know about this Jesus thing. I don't know if it's, if it's I want to be, ugh, I've got lots of questions about it. That's okay. God's big enough. Ask him those questions. Ask him. Ask him. God, you know, you know what my past was like. You know what I've done. God knows my past. My wife will tell you every day, I am not perfect. Even though I'm a retired colonel in the United States Army, I am more imperfect than I was for many years ago. My wife is smiling right now. I am imperfect as your congregational elder. There are times I have to apologize to Stephen Riley because I let military Fred come out. Sometimes military Fred comes out in some of our discussions. And Philip's over there going, I'm going to sit over here and watch this happen. (laughs) But God is big enough to deal with me and to teach me and to keep molding me into what he wants me to become. He can do that for you as well. His son, Jesus Christ, came to die on the cross for each and every one of us. He made a way for us. It's just, it's that simple. That's how it ties all the way back to about how God built up the fate of of the Israelites and Moses to deliver them when they had more questions and unbelief than you can imagine. To no different today, we're like, God, what are you doing? How are you saving this world? I enjoy reading everyday CBN because they always have positive news stories. I read their app every day. And every day I read more stories about how God is moving in the earth and changing people's lives. He's done it before. He's doing it again. Why he chose a little school, I mean, in reality, why did he choose a little school in Wilmore, Kentucky to start that outpouring when it wasn't a big speaker, it wasn't a big bad worship band, it wasn't, uh, and God just said, well, I'm going to start to move. And I was talking to a friend the other day uh, down in Bowling Green. And he said, well, but why did they, but you know, why did they stop and why did they close it? And why did they kind of, because they felt like God was saying, now it needs to move elsewhere. And the more you read about when they stopped it being about a place, it started spreading more and more. So the takeaways for today, if the worship team would come on up. Um, that I want to leave you with is where can you see God working around you? Where do you see him working? And wherever he's working, step into it. Moses could have still walked away from all of this. And he could have said, you know, God, not me. It's Aaron and I'm going to watch and I'm just going to stay a shepherd. That could have been the story, but he stepped into it. And the first time he goes and tells and Pharaoh gets mad at him, and then the Israelites are mad at me. He said, okay, I did it once. I'm not doing that again. And he could have walked away from it. But he kept stepping back into where God wanted him to be used because God wanted to use him to deliver the people of Israel. Where do you or I need to be stepping into what God is doing today? In your community, in school, in this church, uh, in others? Some of you may not know this, but uh, when we hired our last student pastor and our new student pastor, Stephen has set it up, and I'm glad that he did, that our student pastor understands that 40% of the time we'll be working with our students, 
and 40% will be working with students in our community and our schools that they and their families may never step into Living Waters Church. But we are going to disciple them and encourage them to follow Christ and help them plug in wherever God wants them. You'd be amazed how many of these young men and women have been excited to hear that and ask questions about that and follow up and want to go, I want to do that. Because they've had interviews where it's like, this is our ministry and this is all we're going to do here with your students and this is going to be great. And they're like, it's not that I want to be out doing. So whatever God has you challenged to do, if you don't think you're ready for it, you don't think you're equipped for it, just step into it and then allow God to change you. I know I didn't feel like I was ready to step into it when uh, Larry asked me to be the congregational elder a few years ago. I was not ready to step into that role, but I would tell you, Beth, and I would say it was an honor that Stephen and Philip, but when Larry Southerd asked me to step into that role, that was an honor that just encouraged me just to step into what God was doing and see what God was going to do to change me. I mean, I'm glad I'm allowed to serve you all, but I'm a little selfish. I'm glad he's changing me because I'm the one that needs to change. You're okay the way you are. Most of you. The second thing I want you to do is when you doubt, remember but God. It's okay. It happens. It's just going to happen in your life. God's big enough to handle it. But just remember but God. He loves you. He cares for you. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you and me. If that doesn't tell you how much he loves us, I don't know what else will. And when you doubt that the world around us, oh, it's gone too far, but God, he is bigger than anything Satan thinks he can get away with in our world today. Amen? Anything that he thinks he can do, God is bigger and he is going to bring more people to him and more people's lives will be changed. Marriages restores, restored families built up. If we just step into where he wants to use us for what he's already doing, he's already doing it. We just need to step into it. Go to that verse, please. Now to him is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's God working in us. God is able to do above and beyond anything we could ever imagine. Anything. It's not just something that happened in the past past in the Bible. It's something that he did and he does and he continues to do. As they sang this morning, he is the same God. He is the same God that is big enough to do that. I'm going to let them come up and sing. And then I'm going to have, I've got a blessing I want to say over you today as we finish up. Stephen, and then I'll have Stephen come up and close us out.
I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Let's stand and sing this next verse together. Calling on the God Mary, whose favor rests upon me. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy. over you today and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today is a good day to just jump in step into it it's that simple there'll be people up here that can pray with you whoever brought you today if you're watching online uh, you can call the number that'll be on at the end and we'll find an opportunity to pray with you if you don't call in right now but God wants to be that big God for you He wants to be the God that shows that you can step into what he's doing. That you could be about doing what he's doing in his kingdom. He's building his church. He's changing people's lives. He wants to change your life. Step into it. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy and every day is going to be simple, but step into it. And if you've got questions about it, he's a big God. He can handle it. He can handle it. So now that God received this blessing today. Now the God who is able to conquer our fears and bless us even when we doubt him. May he give you eyes to see this week his glory, his moving and his deliverance. His son Jesus Christ and how only he is able to redeem you and those around all of us. May he bless you and your family and everyone you have the opportunity to come in contact this week. All for the glory of our Savior.